I'm Alex. Oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. Oh, I'm, oh, I got old habits. Wait, wait, let me try again. Hi, Taisei. Hi, Alex. How are you? I'm excellent. That was almost slipped into old habits, didn't we? Yeah, almost. Yeah, almost. right in the first episode of the, of the new year, too. Yeah. How bad would that have been? It would have been terrible. It would have been a, you would have broken the New Year's resolution that we had non-verbally set. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, how's, how's, how's Happy New Year? How's your first eight days of the year going? Going great. Going awesome. Nothing that bad has happened yet. I think I made that same joke last year, actually. Um, but yeah, I was actually, I was talking to people yesterday, uh, and I'm curious for your opinion on how far into the year does it become too late to keep saying happy new year? You know, I think today's maybe the cutoff. Maybe it was yesterday because if you see someone on a weekly basis, you want the opportunity once the new year has struck to say happy new year, right? Yes. But past that. You should have sent something earlier, you know? Here's the, the other point that was made, because I thought about a week as well. Uh, the other point that was made was we're going, well, at least maybe you didn't. I'm going back to school this week. Yeah. Uh, and, of, of course, people will be saying Happy New Year. And I feel like that's reasonable. That's fair. Back to school. I think you're in the clear. So maybe the first day of school, whenever that happens to be, slash the first so, week. So from New Year's Day up until the first day of school. Right. But you know, that's, but I feel like if you extend it all the way to say, I don't know, ninth, it, like it's only appropriate to say it that late if it's your first day of school. Yes. Hmm. Yeah. So I guess it's contextual, of course. Exactly. As is everything. It's not hard. It's not, right. not a hard day. Well, we've come to know. We, We've come to no concrete conclusion here uh, at Fusion and Hockey Podcast. January seventh. Anyway, How's uh, that? Boom. There's your heart. Okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought we already said it's okay on the first day of school. Anyway, something else we didn't come to a hard conclusion on is uh, which one of our worst players' teams was better because <laughs> that vote ended in a deadlock, <laughs> a tie, and I think it was our lowest voter turnout ever as well. Um, which, in hindsight, we should have seen coming. Oh, 100%. Because I guess most people don't know much about Tyler Inamoto and Braden Burke after all. I can't say I know much about either of those players. Um, yeah, very fitting, you know? The vote don't lie, as they say. Because, um, yeah, not only were there not, not, not enough people, or not, not enough, but not a lot of people voting. Um, yeah, we, we, I think it was extremely tough to differentiate between the two teams. So I'm glad it ended in a tie because even if I had won, it would have been completely meaningless. And even if I had lost, I would have felt nothing. So, you know, it so here's out. the thing. I disagree. I really do believe that my team is worse than yours. And yet the voters did not agree. So, and yet the voters didn't agree. Yeah. So, yeah. Sigh. Such is life. <laughs> is this our first tie? I can't remember the last time we had a tie on this. I think it's got to be. I don't oh, think we've had one before. Very funny, very appropriate, and uh, maybe we should make something more voter friendly next time. <laughs> Ooh, you know what would be a fun draft? Let's hear it. And kind of like because we just did like the reflective version of the trades. If we do a prospective one, and it wouldn't be, it couldn't possibly be, be worse players because that's impossible to predict that like Jonathan Myrenberg is going to get traded or something. Uh, but we could do like a, we each draft like players we think are going to get traded in twenty twenty three. And then we don't know who wins till the end of the year, and we see how many of uh, how many players on our team were actually traded. Mm. 
So a non-voting draft. It, this one would be a non-voting draft. Interesting. Yeah. That's an interesting idea. I like it. I'm making note of this for the future. Okay. For for non-voting, who's getting traded this year? Draft. If that's not enough for me to remember my idea, then uh, we don't deserve to remember. Then it, it wasn't worth okay. remembering. All right, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, so our team this week uh, discusses the underachieving Florida Panthers, um, who were playing against three teams this week. And as we said last week, oh yeah, one of them's pretty good in the Rangers, and the other two are pretty bad in the Coyotes and Red Wings. And they beat the bad teams by relatively small margins, and they lost to the good team by a relatively small margin. Um, pretty much went by the book, I would say, in that regard. Oh yeah, this is for a team that you know you look at them in the standings, they look wholly mediocre and underwhelming. That's what this team is. You know, they're not a dumpster fire, but. They do have massive flaws uh, that are that are quite evident. Um, so yeah, let's go through the games. First game was against the the Rangers, uh, and yeah, first goal Mika Zibanejad just kind of off the rush goes right down the middle of the defense, carries the puck in. Radko Gudis gets turnstiled like you wouldn't believe, and uh, he's all all alone in the net. And you know it was a funny finish because the puck kind of rolled off of Zibanejad's stick. Uh, he didn't have control when he shot it, uh, but Bobrovsky. He kind of clowned. He got fooled and went right through the five hole. Uh, kind of an embarrassing look for everybody involved, whether it's Gudis or Bobrovsky, who was kind of handcuffed by that shot. Uh, and yeah, the first period, Panthers got nothing going whatsoever. Um, Zibanejad also scored the second goal, uh, where Panthers, com- he was wide open in the slot. Panthers are a complete mess uh, defensively. You know, there are two guys behind the net, two guys up against the boards. Um, so that's four guys committed to like two very specific areas along boards. Which leaves the Banajad wide open, makes no error there. Um, then Nick Cousins, uh, noted depth guy uh, for the Panthers, scored off the rush. Nice little screen by Eric Stahl to generate some space Given there. Given a lot of time by Ben Harper, the Rangers defenseman. <laughs> That's right, who, who is preoccupied with the uh, very dangerous Eric Stahl. Um and uh that, that's not this week. Yeah, you know what? Shocking. Shocking. What he scored three goals revitalized this motherfucker um but uh chris Kreider made a 3-1 another just he just banged a home right in the slot panthers just again just terrible in their own zone standing still um and basically they they let this like big cross seam pass to capococco was wide open and yeah you can't let that happen in your own zone there's no movement whatsoever but completely static uh panthers you know made a 3-2 sam bennett with a you know power play goal off of a big rebound um which you know good solid cycle um but uh, uh the rangers came back with another power play goal after ekblad like fumbled the pass in the off in the offensive zone while they were playing shorthanded gave it right to Kreider, who uh you know trocek beat ekblad back on a two-on-one made a four-two um eric stahl scored his first goal of the week made a four-three big stud um <laughs> <laughs> stole the puck nice little play nice little solo play solo puck behind the net and then comes around to the perimeter shoots it nice shot off post and in beautiful uh but uh you know panthers yet again caught flat-footed uh panarin scores off the rush you know he kind of threw it in the middle of nowhere and the puck was kind of free-for-all but the two panthers around it didn't do shit panarin gets the puck back scores uh and Bobrovsky probably should have had that one too and uh that was it five three final score yeah, I, I'm I'm glad that it was the Rangers in particular who they were playing to start the week. Just for 
our uh, podcast in particular because uh, not that long ago we were kind of comparing the Panthers and the Rangers. And I was saying, oh, you know, I kind of enjoy the fact that the Panthers are really, really, you know, underachieving, underperforming, doing badly. And you felt the same way about the Rangers. Uh, and since the Rangers have uh, gone a bit gone a heater, are now third in uh, the Metro, and Florida uh, remains bad. And obviously, by the by, when we talk about all three games together at the end of the week, um, I think we're going to try to kind of diagnose the problem or, or the problems uh, in Florida. And I don't think it'll be too hard because um, the the reasons they looked bad in this game were the same reasons they looked bad in the other games, even though they were the others were wins. Um, and but what 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 is kind of perplexing to me is why this has happened after such a, such a terrible year, or well, not so much why it's happened, but how it's happened uh, so dramatically from President's Trophy to not even in the playoff picture. You know, I gotta say it's not as perplexing to me. I think two words: Paul Maurice. You know, that's okay. dangerous. There's your night and day difference. But by this much? Seriously? By this much? I think there's more to it than that. I think there has to be more than one ingredient. Okay, well, there's, there's the trade. Obviously, you lose Uyghur, uh, and they have not recovered defensively whatsoever. I feel like that's enough, though. You know, like, it's just like, and then... I have another, go ahead. I have another unfortunate, uh, uh, and this pains me to put forward. You know who didn't look good this week and hasn't produced up to caliber all years? Alexander Barkov. Um, his scoring clip, I think, is generally below what he's he's normally at. But not only that, uh, on the uh, the first advantage ad goal, he was alongside Gudis, another player that was kind of blown by. Uh, later in the in the week, he made uh, at least a couple like blunders defensively. The one pretty egregious blown coverage on the penalty kill, which is odd for someone who's obviously you know been a or was thought of as a perennial like Selkie contender. Uh, and I think, you know, when he's kind of just in general, like a pretty good first line center instead of, you know, uh, all-star Selkie level, then that, that shows. Yeah. But I think, you know, if this was a properly coached team, a team whose roster didn't take a hit, um, you could, you could weather some Barkov regression. Um, but the issue is, you know, there's first of all, there's not enough depth scoring out within these forwards, um, save for fucking Eric Stahl this week. And yeah, the coaching's not good. Yeah, you lost you lost big piece on defense. Just all of this is a perfect storm. And then, you know, one of your star players kind of regresses back. And there's your there's your ingredients for like a wholly mediocre looking team. And plus, they're missing Ben Sherratt now, too. They lost him. Oh, man. That's right. Huge, yeah, what a, huge loss. What an L. Yeah, it's uh, terrible. Also, in, in the Rangers game uh, in particular, I, I think we, we, saw, we saw this week both sides of Bobrovsky because um, he looked lost at several points against the Rangers. Yeah. Um, but in the win against Detroit, which we'll get to in a minute, he looked quite, uh, very, very good. Uh, before that, um, January 3rd, 5-3 win over the Coyotes. Uh, Panthers abandoning their gorgeous reverse retros uh, for their normal homes, which are pretty good as well. Uh, Spencer Knight net for this one against Karel Vemelka. Uh, first goal, Matthew Kachuk, a little over a minute in, set up by Barkov. Uh, easy look at the net for Kachuk. one nothing very early. Coyotes are ass. Uh, then uh, Eric Stahl scores uh, the next one. He stays on uh, some kind of hot streak with a, a bad angle goal over Vemelka's shoulder. <laughs> Uh, then it's uh, with 2.1 seconds to go in the first period. The Panthers' penalty kill uh, lets uh, Chikrin walk into a prime position and tap in the pass from Clayton Keller. This was the play I was thinking of, actually. Yeah. Uh, Chikrin 
was uh was totally you know Barkov's guy, and he kind of just you know lost sight of him, let him walk right into prime scoring position. Uh, then in the second period, it was Clayton Keller scored a uh, a sick backhand goal, uh, just over uh by, or by Spencer Knight's blocker as he like circles around the offensive zone. Um, I actually you know this reminded me. Um, we'll, we can talk about the World Juniors later. But I actually saw Clayton Keller live with the World Juniors back in uh, 2017. Mm. It was the USA Russia semifinal in Montreal, of course, and um, it was really. I remember on Team USA, we were. That was the game I was. I was uh, closest uh, to the glass in my whole life. And uh, actually, okay, this got a bit of a sidetrack. Oh, I don't remember who it was. I think it was Denis Gurianov. Yeah scored a goal for Russia at a certain point uh, and like jumped into the boards. Uh, and I was like in the fourth row, but he was like right directly in front of me. So like you could see me on, uh, on TV. No way. Um, because of where he was. That's too funny. But uh, it was like very, very early in the second period. And I think my sister and my dad, who I was with, were like uh, still coming back from the bathroom. So it looked like I was just there by myself with like next to empty seats. Um, <laughs> anyway. What I was going to say uh, was Clayton Keller and Charlie McAvoy like really stood out as like the superstars for Team USA. They like really really stood out from the crowd. And it was like those guys are going to be stars. McAvoy, of course, has got you know possibly a top five defenseman in the NHL. Uh, Keller not quite in the same tier, but every now and then you see him pull off a a like Pavel Datsuk like play like this that makes you go wow. There's there's got to be more there to unlock. Yeah, no, even Keller Keller looked great all night. Um, where. Yeah, he, like even on the uh, the two one goal to Chikrin, that was a, a nice pass by Keller there that that kind of that got it to Chikrin in the first place. Uh, and yeah, is he like the the one good player on the Coyotes? One of two, sure looks like it. Hey, hey, don't forget about Nick Schmaltz. My apologies. And Vemelka. Right, so one of three. My corrections. One of four. Sure, we'll say four. Yeah. Okay. Or Chicago has. <laughs> go Yotes, go. Get Yotes. <laughs> yeah. Um All right, I'll carry on uh through this game. It's uh Matthew Kachuk left alone right by the, the point again. Um and uh Kachuk sneaks the puck over Karelvin Melka's head, makes it three two Florida. That's his second of the game. Stay tuned to see if he gets his third. Uh then this is where the game really starts favoring Florida. They start to look pretty good. Uh but they don't score until Yanis Moser gets one look from the point. His shot's deflected by Nick Bugstad to tie the game at 3-3. Um, the Panthers start cycling a couple minutes later. Uh, Kachuk feeds, feeds uh, Lomberg across the ice. Lomberg feeds Eric Stahl, and Arizona has no answer for this man. Eric Stahl makes it uh, 4-3, puts the Panthers up again. The final minute of the period, Matthew Kachuk gets the hat-trick goal, 5-3. Nice feed from Sam Reinhart. Uh, and then uh, nothing going on. Uh, goals wise in the third uh, but Florida did do uh, not a good job at shutting things down <laughs> because the Coyotes had lots of good chances but just couldn't finish and Spencer not even had to make some uh, some pretty big stops on this basement dwelling team yeah um, the takeaway here Coyotes suck they're terrible um, and yet it was uncomfortable uncomfortable it was convincing at all. to watch if you're a Panthers fan um, because you know, whether it was those, you know, big defensive issues, like, for example, if you look at the 3-3 goal, Nick Bukestad's left, like, completely alone in front of the net uh, to tip that. And, yeah, and also, you know, for all week, that second line of, of Reinhard Bennett, Lusterainen, 
missing posters didn't see anything generated by them um and you know like offensively the second line who was it this week it was fucking eric stall um just just nuts shit uh and and they don't come at you in waves anymore and they're lacking defensively and it was you know it was three three it was very uncomfortable uh to see the panthers like this yeah it's still kind of trippy to me that the first, second, and fourth overall picks of the 2014 draft are all on the same team now. Ekblad, Reinhardt, and Bennett. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they're going to be adding Dreisaitl to the mix anytime soon. Uh, but I don't know. Just something like, especially even like Sam Bennett and Sam Reinhardt being on the same line. Uh, and it's like not fluky. Like they're just straight up on the same team. Yeah. And neither of them were even drafted by Florida. Uh, it's weird to me. Very it's funny. weird to me. After they were compared so much in their draft year. Yeah. No, no. They, I, I even kind of mix them up in my head sometimes. You know, the two Sams on the same line mm-hmm. but it, it, it's a good bit i remember the hockey news ranked sam bennett number one in that draft ahead of ekblad <laughs> and all of them what a take uh take is not aged well gotta say nope um yeah so last game of the week was a 3-2 win over the red wings um and although florida won detroit was the better team for sure and if detroit is the better team against you Yikes! Uh, it was actually Bobrovsky kind of bailing Florida out in this one. He yeah. was at his at his best, very strong one, uh, twenty nine saves and some big ones. Uh, but the first goal was Detroit. Long shot by who else? Ben, ben Sherrod. Was tipped in by uh, Jonathan Berggren, who's having a not so bad rookie year. Uh, and Bobrovsky he looked pretty lost on that one. Gotta say it was one nothing early. Um, and you know this actually seeing Ben Sherrod score on the Panthers, uh, and thinking at this point, oh, if Detroit wins this game. Uh, like, you know, they'll that's be like Ben Sherratt in particular knocking Florida down the standings yeah. and potentially helping Montreal get a higher draft pick because Florida had acquired him last year. So I looked ahead uh, to see at what other points in the season Florida's playing Detroit to see if there's like if they play once again, like near the very end of the year. So like Ben Sherratt could play like a very key and like, you know, um, I don't know, highlighted role in knocking the Panthers even further down the standings. Uh, but. Uh, not only does it not look like they play in like the dying days of the season, I don't think I'm just checking again. Oh yeah, they play one more time from now until the end of the season on March 20th. Uh, so mark that one on your calendar. Steve Ben Sherratt can put up like a six point night or something. <laughs> I think I think you're you're expecting a bit too much. Not maybe not expecting, but putting too much on the shoulders of Ben fucking Sherratt. Um, See, get, even, if, even if the Red Wings up. win and he, even if the Red Wings win, win and he has made like a single good play in that game, yeah, we can make that narrative. Okay, we'll, we'll call it a narrative. Ben Sherrod revenge game. It's coming. He already had one. He he's, he had the ben assist. Sherrod helping the Habs game. <laughs> this guy's a triple agent. He you know this is <laughs> on his, He's two teams away from the Habs. And he's still helping him out. Yeah. Ah uh, well. Anyway, next up, uh, we've got uh, Gustav Forsling slap shot. Uh, uh, scoring uh, like a minute after the Red Wings' first goal, so it was one-one. Uh, in goals and in shots, though that was the first two shots of the game, <laughs> and they both went in. Uh, second period, Ekblad is allowed to walk down Main Street, beat Billy Huso over the glove, who has sadly been slumping bad for my fantasy team. Um, then uh, later in the second period, Sergey Bobrovsky had to stop a uh, Jake Wallman breakaway. That's a defenseman, by the way. For those of you who haven't heard of Jake Wallman, had it had a breakaway, and an Adam Ernie breakaway. Uh, and Bobrovsky had to make big saves on both of them to keep Florida up two to one. Yeah, 
No, and there was another big save on Dylan Larkin, uh, who was like later on where he was like wide open in front of the net. Big love save made a whole show of it, you know, and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, no, he, he. I don't know how you give up breakaways to either of Wallen or Ernie, um, but then to give them back to back like that. Well, not back to back, but like you know, two in the same game. Just you know, it's a it's a terrible look for the Panthers, uh, and. Yeah, it just goes to show defensively, their system's completely broken, and I know exactly who I'm pointing my finger to. Um, I, <laughs> <laughs> our homie Paul. Yep. Um, then, uh, despite that, Aaron Ekblad gets his uh, second goal of the game, power play goal off a rebound, uh, and Philip Ronick gets one with Huso pulled, but that was all Detroit would muster at the end. 3-2 final score. That's the week for Florida. Um, and this game against Detroit reminded me of yet another Great take I had about a month and a half ago when we were doing a standings checkup. And Detroit at the time was still like hanging around the playoff picture. Um, and Florida, you know, was off to a bad start. We were wondering, is this just a bad start or are they bad? And I said um, that I am not at all prepared to predict that Detroit will make the playoffs, but I also don't think it would be Florida taking their spot. And man, oh man, does that look like it's shaping up to be extremely correct at this point in the year? Uh, Florida right now. Is uh, Batman 500 with their 18, 18, and 4 through 40 games, so practically halfway through the season. And Detroit has played 38 games uh, with 39 points, so we're just slightly uh, up on them uh, by points percentage. Uh, but in the wild card race, they are uh, fifth and sixth, respectively. <laughs> so chasing down the Islanders and the Sabres uh, and teams that are in the playoffs. So uh, it looks like, I mean, I'd be, it would be a surprise at this point. If either one of these teams, uh, but like we'll focus on Florida, of course, uh, clawed their way back into the playoffs. Oh yeah, they're they're not playing remotely well enough, um, or look good enough to to make that push to the playoffs. Um, it's uh, yeah, there, there are teams that get unlucky, you know, injuries and whatnot, and you know you can expect okay, maybe over the the second half of the season there'll be a big push. They'll have everybody healthy. They'll be they'll be they'll be rolling. But you don't. You just don't expect that from the Panthers. Um, you know, even if Barkov does f- regain his form, uh, the rest of the forwards, there's just not enough there. Um, and obviously the issues on defense and even goaltending are well documented uh, where you can't you can't trust this team anymore to look as nearly as dominant as they did last year. You know, you brought up uh, the, the big trade from the summer that brought in Kachuk. Matthew Kachuk, of course, has been like one of the very only bright spots on the Panthers. He's leading the team in scoring by a wide margin. He's been everything they could have hoped for. Uh, meanwhile, Huberdeau uh, has been pretty disappointing so far in Calgary. Uh, Uyghur's been fine, I'm pretty sure. Um, and But obviously, what we pointed to in the summer was that loss of Mackenzie Uyghur is really going to hurt. Um, but at, because of like, you know... Paul Maurice having this, you know, a god-awful defensive system and being blown coverages left and right. I'm not even sure if they had Uyghur on the team right now. It would be so much of a help. And, like, Gustav Forsling has, like, stepped into Uyghur's, uh, well, not his role exactly, but onto that first pair and done a quite good job. I think it's not even very fair to point to that trade, at least right now, and say that, like, that's a reason the Panthers have fallen from first in the league all the way to, like, about 22nd. Um, because in terms of how the players are producing so far this year, like, uh, Florida might actually had the slight edge. Um, but as we said, you know, it's just, it all goes back to the mind boggling coaching decision. It's very rare that a coaching decision is made by a team, uh, 
of like letting go of one and bring another and the hockey world all collectively seems to go what are they thinking and yet it's happened yeah no it's exactly that i mean to the point of the if we go back to the trade for a second um it might just be that you know they they fucked with a good thing. I think that was working uh, with with Huberdeau and Uyghur. Um, You know, obviously Kachuk's been doing great, but you know if Uyghur's back in the lineup uh, and you take out Kachuk, maybe offensively they're they're flailing a bit more. Um, but then you don't have Mark Stahl in the top four, and I feel like that make a <laughs> might make a big difference defensively. <laughs> um, j- just a yeah. take, just a take. Uh, but to your point, yeah, it it really does seem like um, Palmeries. Is 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 the is the answer here? Well, not the sole answer. Like I said, multiple contributing factors. Um, but he seems to be the primary one, and in that sense, completely blew it. Um, you had the guy who you knew, you know, worked the system well. Um, with the with the, with the last coach, fuck, what was his name? Uh, Brunette Andrew Brunette. Exactly. Yeah, you had a guy who fucking won the President's Trophy, and y- y- you went with fucking Paul Maurice. Still, yeah, as this as it is. Was. Yeah, I think the last time we were talking about the the Panthers, like, well, not, not a full week on them, of course. Uh, but I, I, what I mentioned on the Panthers earlier this year uh, was in 2016. You know, they were coming off like a very long stretch of just being a terrible, terrible team. Uh, they make the playoffs, they win the division, lose in the first round, overreact, rehaul half their defense, and miss the playoffs again the next year. Then now this time, they win the President's Trophy. They get swept by the lightning. Uh, it's pretty embarrassing. Uh, but once again, they overreact. They make a, a massive blockbuster trade, make a coaching change. And now look again, it's it's backfired even more than it did the first time. Um, and you just wonder, like, I mean, first of all, it's a different been a different GM each time. So I think what you said was, you know, this is probably ownership. Uh, calling the shots or at least, uh, you know, insisting urgently upon the, these uh, this dramatic reconfiguration. It's like, you... Like, sure, you won the President Trophy last year. Uh, that was, like, your second year in a row in the playoffs after a slow ascent. Give it a second. See, like, yeah, you're, you're not, you know, sure, it was a bad series. Good teams have bad series sometimes. And, uh, and you know, you, it'll be better next year. Um, and I th- uh, the reason I think it was Huberdeau and Uyghur on the way out is partly because they were hesitant to give them both, like, eight-year extensions, which is something I understand. So I do once again, I will... Uh, put a greater insistence on the the coaching change like um because i think we talk about not messing with a good good thing i think changing the coach uh in a way rattles the locker room and rattles the structure of a team more than like uh swapping out a couple players do even if they're very good players um because it's you know total system overhaul and then you got a locker room of players who are like why are we why are we completely changing uh the outlook of a team that was just first in the entire league last year yeah, no, it, may, it makes absolutely no sense. I think we look at, you know, past winners of the cup and maybe a bit of a pattern that we see in, in great teams like Colorado, like Tampa Bay, is that, you know, they, they obviously had, you know, Tampa Bay, you know, having a bunch of years where they couldn't get it done. Colorado famously with the second round thing, and they stuck with it. They stuck with Jared Bednar, they stuck with John Cooper, uh, and then it ended up paying out. Uh, it's just, you know, you like you said, you're going to have bad series. It's just a small sample size um, that odds are you're not going to win the fucking cup. And to overreact like this, uh, they did the exact opposite of what Colorado and Tampa did. Completely impatient, and yeah, fired the coach and hired a shitty one, a real fucking shitty one. Even funnily enough, Chicago did that after they had won their cups. Uh, like they they won their three cups, uh, and then 2016 they lose in the first round. 2017 they get 
swept by Nashville in the first round. And that's when like the Panarin trade comes and the Jalmerson trade and everything gets really revamped. And then the team hasn't made the playoffs since. Um, so it kind of went in reverse order there. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Um, but yeah, as, as for the Panthers, not, not really sure what you do now. You know, you, you have, I think you got to fire the coach. Um, probably what can happen if you miss the playoffs. It's kind of, it, it, it's, it's almost too easy of a decision to make. If you go from 120 points, you miss the playoffs next year, you fire the coach who fucking came in and changed everything and looked like dog shit. Um, but aside from that, you know, like they, they need a philosophy change. They need to fucking learn some patience as an organization. Yep. That's what it is. It's patience. Yeah. That's what this team needs. There, there's our diagnosis, Florida. Just be a little more patient and none of this would have happened. Um, so tough luck. Um, I am enjoying looking at the standings, though, to see that they are uh, chasing behind Buffalo, who's 8-2 and two in their last 10. Just beat Minnesota last night. Rasmus Dahlin at a five-point night. Uh, and actually, going by points percentage, Buffalo is now ninth in the East um, because the Islanders have uh, fallen behind them, or rather Buffalo has passed them, and which means now they are hot on Pittsburgh's tails for that final wildcard spot, just two points behind with the game in hand. This is a real possibility now that the Sabres end up making the playoffs. Oh my goodness. That's 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 nuts. You tell me that three, two, three weeks ago, I wouldn't have fucking believed you. Um it's really Tage Thompson doing it all, isn't it? This motherfucker's carrying this whole team. Um, I did listen to what I just said. I said Rasmus Dahlin just had a five point game. Yeah, but it really does feel like Tage Thompson driving the bus, isn't it? Well, I mean, okay, sure. But it, it it's not like we're looking at Tage Thompson, a bunch of scrubs. We're looking at like Tage Thompson and like five other pretty good players and a bunch of scrubs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, King of the scrubs, Tage Thompson. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, that's uh, that's looking like an interesting team. Maybe do we, I'm rooting for Buffalo. Yeah, they're fun. They got the they got the, the you know the, all those point per game players and it's and it'll be really funny. You know what? You know why I'm rooting for Buffalo most of all? Tell me. Zemgus Gergensen has been there for 10 years. Holy he hasn't seen a single playoff game. <laughs> no and I want him to. Yeah, there you go. He stuck it out a decade with the <laughs> Buffalo Sabres. Are you kidding me? Holy, how many rebuilds has he experienced, this guy? Yeah, in 10 years, he's experienced like 14 of them. <laughs> Just nuts. Um, I had no idea. I had no idea he was A, still there, and B, there that long. Um, but yeah, I, I, he's got to be the longest tenured one on that team. I, I can't imagine anyone has been there for about the same amount of time. I mean, Alcposo has been there for a while now, since like 2016. But, you know, he was he's seen playoffs in the past. Uh, so it's not as big of a deal with him. Uh, yeah, Gergensen, uh, off the top of my looking at this cat-friendly roster, has his longest tenured by far. No, oh, kudos to him. Finally experiencing the unprecedented success of the Buffalo Sabres. Has he ever even experienced a playoff race? Has he even <laughs> been this close? I don't think so. Not this late in the season. I don't well, think so. Yeah, <laughs> you know things could still fall apart. It's the Buffalo Sabers, um, but you know, I I really don't think so. I don't remember the last time the Sabers were this high up, and this is ninth place, mind you, not even in the playoff spot. Uh, like midway through the season in the new year. I think it was 2012. <laughs> what a dead franchise. What what I remember. Oh, because yep. Buffalo in like around like two circuit like after the full season lockout up to like 2011 or so that was like a pretty good stretch for them I think they might have won the President's Trophy at some point like 2007 maybe 
Um, and then 2012, they missed the playoffs. It was a disappointment. Like, like just missed. They finished ninth in the East. And I remember on SportsCenter seeing like Ryan Miller interview. He was like, oh, this is extremely embarrassing for us. And just thinking back on it, I was like, oh, boy, just you wait. Because any Buffalo team from uh, that year up until now would have been extremely pleased uh, to, to finish ninth in the Eastern Conference. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, and this is, this is a very offensively-minded team. Um, in terms of goal scored, I think they're number one in the league or close there. Are they still number one? They are straight up number one in the league. Um, they're, they're, I think they're tied with, with Boston right now uh, at 149. Um, so, you know, they, they have their issues defensively, obviously, which is why they're ninth place. Um, but nobody can't say they can't score because uh, they're tops in the league. <laughs> See, I'd be curious now to know when was the last time or if it's ever happened that the top scoring team in the league didn't make the playoffs. Yeah, that's a good question. I can't fathom it ever happening to a team other than the Buffalo Sabres. <laughs> yeah, or maybe the Maple Leafs at some point. Yeah. We'll put it past them. No, of course not. All right. Uh, let's recap the World Juniors now. How's that sound? Yeah, sounds good. Let's roll. All right. So uh, we haven't uh, been on a podcast since uh, New Year's Eve. So not even the quarterfinal matchups have been finalized at that point. Since then, of course, Canada's won gold. Czech team won the silver medal. And Team USA won the bronze. Uh, Sweden finishing off the podium. They still have not won a gold medal since uh, 2012, I believe, at this tournament. Um, despite their like 54-game preliminary round win streak in the meantime, which ended a couple years ago. Um, but anyway, uh, where, where do you want to start? Because there are a lot of angles we could approach this from. Let's, we can go kind of team by team. Uh, and then kind of dissect if we want, or do we want to do like a quick rundown of what happened? Cause it's been so long or so much has happened. Everyone pretty much knows what happened. Yeah. I like team by team. Okay. I guess we'll start with Canada, the, the champions. Let's do it. Yep. Okay. Um, see of all the Canadian teams at this tournament, uh, obviously, you know, they don't win gold all the time. Um, I think now after this gold medal win, uh, that's five golds in eleven years or something, which is uh quite a a good run. Actually, you could even you could I even shorten that sample size to go back to twenty fifteen, uh, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty one, twenty two, twenty three. Uh, what is that? Uh, I I don't know. Anyway, it's like nine years. And anyway, they win gold a lot. Whatever. What I'm trying to say is um that this team didn't really look like the team Canada usually looks when it's gonna win gold. This team more or less looked like the type of team uh, that will disappoint and lose in the quarterfinals, like happened in 2019 and in 2016. Um, and it was, of course, inches away from happening on multiple occasions against Slovakia, of all teams, until uh, until Connor Bedard scored that immediately famous goal. Um, so I guess that explains that. Uh, but even against, you know, Team USA, they go down early and it's like, oh, are they about to lose to Team USA? And then they came back. Uh, and then against the Czechs, you know, they have the lead in the gold medal game. Third period, Czechs come back, tie the game. Oh, no. Are they about to blow it? This was not a solid team. <laughs> this was a shaky team. A bunch of nervous Nellies. They got in their own heads, it seemed. Uh, as soon as the other team starts to get a, a scrap of momentum, they kind of almost start to buckle in. Um, and yet, somehow, <laughs> they won the gold medal anyway. And there was some luck involved. Uh, you know, against the, the Czechs, who almost scored at several points in um, 
especially in the late stages of regulation. Against Slovakia especially, there were tons of close calls on both sides of the ice. Uh, that one, I was really convinced Canada was about to blow that one. Um, so it's kind of funny thing. Like the 2021 team, that had so many first-round picks, was so dominant, and just uh, got beaten by Team USA in the gold medal game. The fact that that team couldn't pull off the gold, and yet uh, this one, uh, with like a no, pretty much a no-show from the entire bottom six, uh, <laughs> the, the fact that this team won gold is, uh, you know, it's a bit of a surprise. Yeah, well, I think it's a testament to, you know, small sample sizes. Sometimes the bounces don't go your way. You have a great team. Sometimes you have a team that looks nervous as shit. Uh, and, you know, you get the bounces. Like, fucking, who was it, Petrovsky in overtime against Slovakia that, like, had a great chance in overtime. Uh, and, fucking, he, he could have made this Canada team one of those, you know, shaky-looking quarterfinal losers. Um, but, alas, he didn't. And they won the gold medal. Um, so, yeah, they, I think, you know, a lot of it is when it, with a tournament like this where it's single elimination. Um, if you get lucky, uh, even with a shaky team, you know, I, I wouldn't say they were outright bad um, for they were for stretches, but, you know, or, you know, overall. Um, so, you know, you can you can you can luck your, kind of luck yourself into a gold medal um, because, yeah, you're right. Canada did not look, you know, they never like figured it out with the with the sheer volume of raw talent that they had. Um, they 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 never figured out how to like be as dominant for long stretches of the game against good teams uh, where you're like, wow, they're coming at you wave at wave. It was never like that. It was always, you know, O'Connor Bedard has a great chance. Maybe they have a nice shift or two, um, but it was never, yeah, especially against the good teams is what it was. They, they never kind of rolled you, uh, which is, is what mm-hmm. you expect from, you know, winning teams uh, when Canada's on fire. Yeah, uh, I will give us some credit because Canada won exactly the way they said, we said that they would, which is only by, you know, or like pretty much only by like their top players, yeah. but it was Bedard, it was Dylan Gunther, uh, it was Shane Wright, especially in that last game. Um, not so much Adam Fantilli. Uh, he had a nice goal there, but he wasn't you know one of the top guns. And but there are two players in particular I want to shout out. One of them is Olin Zellweger. He looked phenomenal every single game. Um, just you know, and I don't remember if we included him, lumped him in with like you know that top tier. I was sure that he was going to be in one of those you know top three players for Canada at the tournament. Uh, he wasn't in the end. Oh, Stan Coven, of course. And oh, we'll talk about Joshua after, but Zellweger, I'll stick with Zellweger for now. Um, because he, well, well, by far the best defenseman on Team Canada, I thought. Uh, and honestly, he looks, just has such great poise offensively and defensively. He's like, he reads plays so well. He broke up so many plays, so many rushes, like before they even got, got started. Uh, and, you know, I think, I think the Ducks have a, a really, really good one. Um, aside from, you know, Drysdale, um, who, uh, you know, obviously a very high pick. Pavel Minchikov, I'm a big fan of who they took this year. And now, well, not now, I guess they had him before Minchikov, but Zellweger with him as well in the pipeline. Um, I think they, uh, their, their defense is really going to be a strength for them, assuming that, uh, they can finally get going at a certain point. Well, absolutely. Um, just. Just a, a great tournament for him. And uh, yeah, he was like that number one defenseman um, where, uh, you know, the, 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 like, like we said, do we, we, do we say top three or four uh, defensemen? Because um, like, and it, and it kind of shaped up that way. Uh, you know, guys like Kevin Korczynski, not, not the best of tournaments, I would say, kind of invisible. Um, so yeah, Zellweger really picking up the slack there. Uh, if we want to touch on, you know, Josh Roy and uh, who's the other guy on that line? Fuck. Stankoven. Stankoven. Um, yeah, they had great tournaments on their own. You know, like 
playing next to Connor Bedard, who uh, I'm I'm thoroughly impressed by. I'm happy to say after this after this last week, not a not, not a dud. Um, but uh, yeah, no, they they look they were able to keep pace uh, with the guy, and uh, you know it looked like a a really good line that was actually clicking. Do you think um, it would be lowballing uh, or like trying to uh, damper expectations on Joshua Roth for me to say that he reminds me so much of Paul Byron? <laughs> you know, I feel like he's he's got a bit more skill than Paul Byron. I mean, he's got the speed. Um, but sure, I mean, like if he if he ends up as Paul Byron, Paul Byron is very useful for a number of years. So I don't think anything would be mad. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'll say. Here's what I'll say. I think I'm expecting Joshua Roth to be like a Paul Byron style third liner, uh, but for longer than Paul Byron was. Uh, and if he amounts to more than that, I'd be very pleased. And you know, even if you get if you get an NHL player at all in the fifth round, that's uh, a home run. So, uh, and this one, it's clearly going to be a home run draft pick. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, look great. And um, yeah, Paul Byron plus. Is the potential? Yeah, here. that's what we're working with. There we go. Yeah, nice. Uh huh. Last player on Team Canada in particular, I want to shout out is Thomas Milic. Uh, he saved the day against Slovakia on multiple occasions. Um, and you know, we 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 said, is this the year that Canada's goaltending? You know, their question marks finally given, and the question is answered with a a, a fart. Uh, and it was not. It was not the year. Thomas Milic uh, was exceptional throughout the entire medal round. Uh, he saved Team Canada's asses on multiple occasions, and uh, I guess they're kicking that can further down the road. Yeah, he wasn't even the starting goalie. <laughs> it was Benjamin Gaudreau, right? So, yeah. well, I think I think they they went into it with a real like fifty fifty. It's anyone's okay. crease. Oh, so you know they they found a hot hand for for Canada. It worked out. Mm-hmm. It, 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 the clock is ticking though. You gotta. There's been no development on this <laughs> for so many years. It's gonna bite you in the ass one day. And you know he kind of looked shaky at the beginning of the tournament. He settled in very nicely, um, but one of these years the guy won't settle in nicely, and you'll have a shit goalie. <laughs> you see, speaking of uh, who was it? Uh, well, there was Joel Hofer who I mentioned. Uh, he was the one who kind of emerged in 2020, backstop Canada to the gold. Then uh, he's uh, kicking ass in the AHL now with Springfield. He's a 9.21 so far this season, and here's my prediction: is that extremely soon. Uh, he is going to get called up and Thomas Grice is going to get waived and Joel Hofer is going to outplay Biddington and it's going to take too long for St. Louis to decide to make him the starter. That's what I think. <laughs> they just signed him to an extension, didn't they? Joel Hofer, I thought I saw that yeah. in the news. Yeah, they did. So, let me see. Okay, $1.55 million. Uh, I think I guess that's overall. All right. Yeah, that's overall. Maybe a backup. Um, that's. I mean, it's a low bar if you're, if you're, if you're up against Thomas Grice. Yep, exactly. Maybe I guess it makes sense to leave him in Springfield for this season, but next year I think they'll give him a long look to make the team. Oh yeah, hundred uh, percent. There's no, there's no reason not to. And if you're giving him a contract like this, you know, you're doing the two-year commitment. Yeah, why not? Then of course uh, we had the silver medalists, the Czech team. Uh, their first uh, medal since I think it was 2004 or 2005, something around. And their first uh, time in the gold medal game since 2001. Um, they've been uh, on the up and up lately. They were. They finished fourth place in, I believe, the 2018 tournament. And again, over the summer, of finally, you know, medaled this year. And this was not some fluke. You know, after they upset Canada and, and Boxing Day, it was like, oh, is Canada, you know, what's going on there? 
the checks proved it wasn't a fluke. You know, they uh, went, they got 11 out of a possible, no, sorry, 10 out of a possible 12 points in the round robin. They took Sweden to overtime uh, and they absolutely killed Switzerland in the quarters. Beat Sweden in the semis again, of course, right at the end there. That was fun. And uh, they looked like a gold medal game caliber team the entire way through. And the big part of that was uh, the defense. David Yurichek, of course, the high draft pick. Uh, but Svozil and David Spachek, who was just drafted by Minnesota, uh, all three of them are looking like extremely promising prospects. Um, they got uh, obviously a great showing from their goalie, Thomas Suhanek. And, uh, you know, even their, their forwards, you look at, you know, guys who draft like Coolidge in the late first round, uh, Shapovalov in the second round. Like these are the guys who are going to have to, you know, step up and produce. Uh, Yuri Coolidge gets like a goal a game. Shapovalov looks excellent the whole way through. They got great performances uh, all around their lineup. And almost got that gold. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just, just their guys showed up. And I feel like you contrast that with Sweden uh, and, you know, the kind of disappointment they faced where a lot of the guys on their roster didn't show up. Um, it felt like all around uh, the guys who you needed to contribute if you're for the checks. Um, they did show up. I thought, you know, your check in particular, obviously you expect great things of a first like a top five or top six uh, pick. But you looked even better. Yeah. He looked even better. He was really comfortable with the puck and just looked great all around. Uh, looks like a, a bona fide stud and had the kind of performance that you expect in, in a draft plus one World Juniors. So that's that's great for him. And uh, yeah, the, the the checks were clicking clearly. Um, they're doing something right in terms of the coaching uh, and you know the talent came together. So and, and so you got a good tournament like that. Would you say David Yerchek was more impressive than Cutter fucking Gautier? <laughs> I would have to say so, you know. Just I would a hot have dick. to say so. Just as well. a hot dick. Yeah. Uh huh. Um. Yeah. yeah. Flyers. Jeez. Anyway, uh, which brings us to Team USA, uh, also known as Logan Cooley and Luke Hughes. Uh, they were brilliant the entire time, as they should be. Uh, Luke Hughes will probably be in the NHL before the end of this very season, taking Brendan Smith's spot in the New Jersey Devils lineup. Uh, and Logan Cooley, uh, I think this would be his last year in university before joining Arizona, is my guess. Um, you know, Cooley, he, he looked better than Shane Wright in this tournament, I'll have to say. Uh, I, I can't fault the Coyotes too much for, for that pick. Um, even, even we were saying, talking about the draft, like, we thought if anyone uh, would knock Shane Wright off, uh, you know, who's the best player in the draft, it was more likely to be Cooley than Slavkovsky. And as of now, I'd stand by that. Yeah, no, you look fantastic. I mean, the issue with this U.S. team um, at the end of the day, when I think we kind of called it going into the tournament, is this team's a bit too top-heavy. Um, and the top guys did fantastic. Uh, you know, cool. You, you, you sent me a text during the week, you know, shouting out Jimmy Snuggerud, who also had a fantastic tournament. Um, oh, yes. Oh, yes. Look, wait, just you wait. Just you wait, Jimmy Snuggerud. What a steal at 23rd overall for St. Louis. A monster. Um, but aside from that, you know, the goaltending didn't show up and just basically the bottom six for the u.s kind of invisible uh and you know the reason why they couldn't match up against canada well the goaltending i uh, showed up throughout the, the round robin at least trey augustine i uh, was excellent for i think those three games he overtook uh caden and Barico. only 17 years old trey augustine is uh but he couldn't uh keep it going for uh throughout the semifinals and throughout the bronze medal game he was actually uh, yanked in favor of Embarico in the bronze medal game. And there were so many goals that USA still managed to to come out on top of that one in that 8-7 overtime game. Yeah. Um, that was a fun one. 8-7. Uh, 
I was unfortunately I in class during See, that. Was, yep. Oh, that was a, that was a really because I think part of what was so fun about it. No team ever led for by uh, like more than two goals, and like, it was, like USA, I think was like pretty in control at the start. It was like two nothing and three one, and they were up like five three also at a certain point. But like it was five five at the end of the second period, and then you know in the third period, they're obviously you know two goals aside. But like it was it was you know. It was close. It was a close high-scoring game that was very back and forth. And at the end, I don't know uh, if you saw the details or highlights after, but like uh, USA had a power play right near the end. Uh, oh, who, it might have been McGroarty, I don't remember, who scored a go-ahead goal 7-6 with a minute and a half to go. And then Sweden, you know, pulls their goalie, and Philip Bystead scores the tying goal with like 18 seconds left. <laughs> uh, but it, what, what was fascinating about that Sweden tying goal was like it looked so easy, <laughs> like it was inevitable. It was kind of off the rush and like a pass kind of like snuck through all the skates. You know, that type of, of pass will like somehow go by everyone's skates and sticks and find the guy waiting on for the tap in. It was that type of thing. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. And then, and then uh, Chaz Lucius uh, gets the winner for Team USA. And Sweden, on the losing end of things again, um, of course, you know, they're disappointments of this tournament over the past 10 years or so are very well documented at this point uh, despite their you know a f- few silvers a few bronze medals here and there but this tournament in particular they looked uh they looked pretty lost like even though they were about a minute away from making it to the gold medal game beating the Czechs, uh kind of similar to canada actually actually you know it's funny because i'm thinking like i talked about like canada being like oh they never really looked like a gold medal winning team no one i think the czechs are the only team that actually did <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah like i think it's part of the fact that like you know um overall lower skill level than like canada usa that type of of team um but they were the only ones that really looked like they were playing with kind of you know the gold medal swagger like canada rarely did usa didn't and sweden absolutely didn't they had the least of them all no yeah no the, the czechs had the chemistry going um which mm. i don't i don't know do i credit the coaching staff whatever it is um but yeah, the swagger, the chemistry, it was all kind of clicking and everybody was producing that need to produce. And you talk about production, was not happening in Sweden uh, whatsoever. I mean, Philip Bystad had a good tournament. Leo Carlson kind of had a breakout where everybody was kind of talking about him. Um, and it was their goalie, like Carl Lindbaum, maybe the goalie of the tournament, um, him and the Slovak, well, you know. Until the bronze medal game, you would have right. thought so. Exactly. Um, but aside from that, they had a whole bunch of first-round talent, you know, like like, like Harry Mackey. Lysel, Rosen, Osland, Ogren, all of nobody kind of really showed up at this tournament. And yeah, they had a lot of they had a lot of the raw talent, but couldn't get it going. Um, kind of like Canada in a, in, a, in a sense. So I would agree. Um, and I think that's why you see that disappointing result. They couldn't get it done against the Czechs. Couldn't get that insurance goal. Yep. Um, last thing I want to talk about. Uh, after now being third all time in a single tournament point scoring uh, and first all time for Canada is Connor Bedard finally good in your book no sorry <laughs> <laughs> i can't say i have to see more no no it was you know he was he was uh what more is there to say other than you look at the stats he was incredible not much more he could have done and he did it against the good teams so i've got i ain't got shit to say anymore mm-hmm. now funnily enough uh, so obviously after the, the end of the tournament, they're like, you know, the awards. And so the directorate, which I'm now learning for the very first time, selects best forward, best defense, and best goalie, which is Connor Bedard, David Juracek, and Adam Gajan for Team Slovakia. Uh, and then there's the media all-stars, which are, you know, three forwards, 2D, and the goalie. 
Uh, the three. Have you seen these these teams? No, I, I have not. Would you like to guess who's on who's on them? Who's what, on it? What's the what's the bit? So it's a media all star team. Yeah, the media all stars. Yeah, three okay. fours, two D a goalie. Okay. Um. So I'm gonna guess they put Dylan Gunther. Nope. No. Okay. Well, they put they put Bedard. Um, yes. They put Cooley. Yeah. Uh, they put Carlson. Uh, no, they did not. Um, I don't know if you're gonna get this one. This last forward. Okay, who is it? Tell me. Is it is Yuri it Coolidge? Okay, it is. Yeah, Coolidge. it's Coolidge. All right. Um, defense. Get Yurchek and yep. Luke Hughes. Nope. Owen Zegwer. Zellweger. Nope. David Spachek. Nope. Okay. Who was it? <laughs> Ludwig Janssen. Oh, okay. Swedish dude. You talk about no one showing up for Team Sweden. He's the only one who did. Okay. And, and the, like he was, it was like a late round pick by the Panthers, like defensive defenseman, and his with his club team, and suddenly he scores like you know four goals in at the tournament <laughs> on like the bottom pair, or maybe even more. Anyway, and the goalie is Thomas Suhanek. Three checks on this team. Um, can't say it wasn't deserved. Uh, yeah, that's the World Juniors. Anything Fairness. else on that? No, it was it was an exciting tournament. I gotta say, and um, honestly, honestly, a shame that the Czechs didn't win. You know, I would have been very happy to see them win because you know Canada didn't look great. I'm, I'm happy Canada won and whatnot. Um, but I can't say I'd be completely unhappy if the Czechs had managed to pull that one out in overtime. Yeah, uh, totally. Yeah, I think on, at this point, I think the only team that would really bug me to win the World Juniors is Team USA. Oh, 100 percent. Just because you're correct. You know, you just yep. just bug me. No, nope. absolutely. Um, but yeah, Czechs. Uh, Maybe next year. We'll see. Probably not, though. Uh, <laughs> uh, another kind of sizable piece of NHL news this week. Uh, people are talking about the All-Star game. They got a little bit of a different format to decide who gets in. Uh, so what has been in recent years, uh, after, of course, the incredible John Scott event, which is the only thing anyone remembers the NHL All-Star game by of 2016, after that total success, the NHL said we can never have that happen again. And changed the format to minimize fan involvement. Um, they had whatever list of people uh, decide the entire teams except one player, then have the fans vote on a very select uh, list of players um, to see who can get into the final spot for each team. Now they've loosened it ever so slightly, picking one player from each team and letting the fans vote on the final three spots, um, which is slightly better. Except, did you see? Uh, the list of like criteria for who the fans can vote on. No, what's what the criteria? I have no idea. I just see an arbitrary list. Okay, so basically, basically, uh, after the players, well, so you can't vote for anyone who's like been on an AHL roster, except for if there's unless like conditioning stint or something, uh, since like some certain amount of time. And here's the real kicker: if between the time the players voted into the All Star game and the time the All Star game starts a player is sent to the minors or like back to junior or something, then a different player has to like be, has to replace them. So this is basically the NHL going, yeah, if you try to pull some other John Scott thing, we can force the team to, I don't know, send that player to the minors or something. And then, uh, then they don't get to go. Oh man. You know what the workaround that's, is. That's what I'm reading into it. You know what the workaround wow. is. You, you, you get, you vote in someone who's not waverable, you know, like, just good enough right. that if they go on waivers, they'll get claimed. Um, 
but not good enough like to be you know reasonably considered for the all-star game yeah i i you think that would work but i if the nhl was like really meddling into this they could absolutely pull the strings to say no one claimed this player and everyone would have to go okay you know i guess but if you're a general manager and you see i don't know some fucker on the waiver wire i'd be tempted i'd be tempted yeah see everyone of course so we, I mean, we could go through the rosters. I don't really care, honestly. Like, it doesn't matter to me. Um, but, uh, and like every year, it's like, oh, is this my, I can't believe it's so stupid. But, you know, I feel like that's not a discussion worth having. Because what's more interesting is this voting part. Because um, everyone, of course, seems to want another John Scott situation uh, to embarrass the NHL, but more so just to have a good time. Um, the problem is, I think it's very unlikely to happen again. It was really, it was lightning in a bottle. Because it was kind of a coincidence that I feel like multiple uh, outlets or angles happened to kind of unite behind him at the same time. It was really a, an incredible coincidence that everyone happened to get behind. And now, you know, you go on Twitter, see what people are saying. And was like, yeah, let's vote in some scrub. But no one is able to kind of uh, unite um, uh, organically behind one player. People are like, oh, I want David Camp, send him to the All-Star game. Oh, send, uh, I don't know. Uh, Joe Snively, and everyone's like, "No, no, no! Send Oliver Ekman Larson." It's like, "Oh, Jesus! Nothing! It's Jesus! This isn't gonna work." It's not working. Um, but the yeah. Funniest, yeah. but the funniest proposal I saw. See, what's really needed is like a leadership body. There needs to be elected of like All Star Game trolling committee, um, and then, and then like you know, all the members can conduct a vote on who we should all vote for, and then everyone you know just unites behind that. That's the only way anything could possibly get done. Uh, but anyway, the funniest proposal I saw. So, and the one I would be behind in that hypothetical scenario that we all decide together what scrub to vote for is uh, the other Sebastian Aho. <laughs> That's good. That's a fucking good one. Uh, I, I can get behind. See, I can to think, wait, uh, I, was Aho the Hurricanes, was he sent already? Who was it? Hmm? Do you know? Was that? Who was, who's been already sent to the All-Star game from the Hurricanes? Oh, uh, I think I just saw was, no, Sveshnikov. Okay, so this works even better then because the NHL goes, oh, were you talking about the other Sebastian Aho? And everyone has to go, no, we weren't. The Islanders, the Islanders defensemen. <laughs> this is a great idea. It's a fantastic idea. And you're right. It, it, we need organization is the big issue, right? Where Discipline. <laughs> perfect. This committee, that's a great idea. <laughs> that's a great fucking idea. Uh, and uh, I can get behind this. A hundred percent. The other idea is this one's kind of mean spirited, but because of the stupid like one team per thing, you leave out a lot of good players out there who theoretically would get voted in by a fan vote. You know, guys like Pasternak, Rantanen, Austin Matthews, but you coordinate to leave them out. Dry sidle, yeah. You coordinate to leave them out. Oh, so oh, so if I mean, if this committee were really very that powerful, yeah, which in our heads it now is, uh, it's not just one guy. We're filling up all three <laughs> slots with all three slots, all 12 slots in total with players of our choosing. All right. In the Metropolitan, we're sending uh, the other Sebastian Ajo. Uh, <laughs> we are sending um, Pierre Olivier Joseph. And we are sending um, hmm, uh, Zach McEwen, of course, from the Philadelphia Flyers. And then how about the Atlantic Division? What are we thinking here? No, oh, I have I have no fight. Arbor Jack guy. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Um, Dylan Gambrell. 
I saw a really funny tweet. Some some senator's account. I, I don't remember the format of the meme, but it was something like all day. I'm like, oh, I can't. This Sens team is so bad. I can't take it anymore. They're never going to be any good. And then at the end, it's like, oh, Dylan Gambrell looks pretty good on the penalty kill. <laughs> That's funny. Um, Eric Stahl. There's there's a good one. Oh, that'd be a good one. Uh-huh. See, I've, no, see, the thing is, like, none of these players individually capture the magic of John Scott. You're right. Which, like, you know, you know, it's like super big guy, tough enforcer, prototypical, no skill. But like, all twelve of them combined, totally dragging down the quality of the All Star game would be would be really a sight to behold. Oh, 100 percent. I feel like I feel like this is a bit we should try to execute. No, we make an account on Twitter, All Star Selection Committee, and then if only we had enough traction in the Twitter community to get this really rolling. If only. Yeah. See, I think we would have to put our faces and names to it so that people know we can be trusted. Oh, 100%. You're right. Um, Unfortunately, we don't have that clout. But if I had clout in the hockey world, let me tell you, I would try my darndest to get this happen. It's a great idea. Yeah. One of your best. I'd reach out. Yeah. I'd reach out to every, like, you know, every sports writer at The Athletic, everyone on Sportsnet, everyone here would be like, hey, are you interested in being part of this or in spreading the word somehow? Yeah. You know? You know who I'd pick from the Sens? Jacob Lucchini, fucking Italian Spice, scored his first NHL goal this week. I made a note of it. What a G. Nice. <laughs> yeah. The problem is we do have to consider that that thing about like players getting sent to the AHL, yeah. right? That's that's the unfortunate so, reality. Yeah. Yeah, which might even like you know Arbor Jack guy might be like he's still on his ELC, so that's he's a great risk of that. Super um, waiver, super waiver. What's it? Exempt. Exempt. We don't like yeah. that. Yeah, right. It would be it would be a lot of work. We would have to dive into the best players, but we would figure it out. And of course, Jack Johnson. <laughs> Indubitably. Uh-huh. All right. Um, oh, did I have this idea last? We were talking about, I know, like, fun ideas for, like, All-Star game, different things. And I remember I brought up the All-Bad Players game, where I've told all the worst players. Did I bring up the idea of the All-Goalies game? <laughs> I don't think so. Because <laughs> <laughs> I have, like, goalies playing forward and defense, yeah. trying to score on each other. Okay. How many, so I guess you take the, how do you do this? You take all 30 goalies, 32 goalies? You take goalies, or maybe even backups as well. Well, not enough. if you only have two teams, <laughs> I guess if you only have two teams, then you don't need everyone. Um, but anyway, we'll talk about that some other time, maybe. Uh, we got a couple of other small things to get to. First of all, JT Miller is delusional. He thinks he's good defensively. Um, he is, of course in the news this year on a very regular basis for being bad defensively. Uh, and also he's not scoring as much as he did last year. And he said that he thinks his, uh, his low production is a, a compliment to him not cheating the game and playing the game the right way. Uh, and everyone simultaneously thought this quote was a joke. It wasn't a joke. Uh, he just really has that little sense of self, that little self-awareness. Uh, and man, you really start to understand why everyone even the most respected Vancouver reporters say that he's the main reason that locker room is poisoned. <laughs> how do you hand, okay, in a vacuum, JT Miller, that contract sucks. But how do you hand an eight-year contract, God knows how many millions, to this big a bozo? All right, how does this not, you know, like... how does actually a seven-year deal, but your point stands. Okay, I, how, I said eight recently, but I was wrong. Like, how does this clear the interview stage? You know, if this is a job interview, he would not clear it um, if he said shit like this. What what is he saying? In a vacuum, this quote is even funnier because it says even less. Um, you know, I even realized the context was that he thought his defensive game was good, which is very funny uh, and untrue. I only learned of it this morning when you, you know, like 
prior to recording. Um, but, uh, you know, just all around stupidity and fucking what a clown. Yep, I think we, we've talked about him a lot, so we don't have to spend too much time on that one. Next, on small news and notes, Joe Pavelski gets a new contract with the Dallas Stars. Uh, it's a 3.5 uh, base AAV with, I think, up to 2 million in bonuses, similar to, you know, the Bergeron's crazy deals with Boston and that way the 35 plus contract. There's quite easy bonuses. I think it's like a 10 game bonus and a 20 game bonus. So assuming he, you know, doesn't suffer a long term injury at a certain point, he'll be getting 5.5 million. And then Dallas, depending on how close they are to the cap, may go into overage the year after that. So this kind of points to Dallas, you know, looking at next year alongside this year as kind of a, a big contending year for them. And at least based on how they're performing, I can't really blame them. Oh, 100% not. I think this is a great contract. Um, the worry with uh, really this team and the, the top end of this team was, was Pavelski. You know, like, when's he going to retire? This guy's old as shit. Um, but, you know, to be able to get that commitment from him uh, at one year, at a reasonable cap hit um, for the level of production he still brings, um, a win, a thorough win, and you get that added cap flexibility with the bonus. Um, I see nothing wrong, and they can kind of kick the can down the road in terms of, of developing someone to, to replace him on the top line next to, you know, Hintz and uh, yeah. Ray Robertson. That's a very reasonable cap, but he's producing at, like, about as high a level as he ever has yep. at age 38 or whatever. <laughs> um, Crazy. Next, uh, Nicholas Backstrom and Tom Wilson both coming back for Washington at the same time. John Carlson placed on LTIR to make room for them. So I don't know, I, you know, maybe it's not as much of a net positive as you would have hoped for. But, you know, for someone like Backstrom especially, who we thought might be out all season, might even just be done altogether, uh, for him to, you know, be back in the lineup, I assume, uh, whenever Washington's playing next, might be tonight, I'm not sure. Or did they play yesterday? Did Backstrom play yesterday? I have no idea. I don't know. Uh, anyway, for them to be back is a great sign. Uh, and they're still absolutely on fire. Uh, I wonder how they're going to, you know, manage this cap stuff. If they're going to try to LTIR juggle players back and forth like Vegas did last year, um, hopefully it would work out better for them for their sake. Um, but if they manage to you know, hold on to their playoff spot that they're in right now and then bring everyone back at the same time uh, come the playoffs, then they may be quite a threat. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, well, it remains to be seen on Backstrom in particular how good he is. I think he was struggling shortly before that hip injury. And so, and then on top of that, you know, you had the hip, hip surgery. We'll see if he, you know, how much form he has left at this stage in his career. But, uh, you know, Wilson for them, definitely a big boost. Uh, but, uh, yeah, what was it? John Carlson took a shot to the face, right? That was the the injury he had. Um, so, unfortunate timing. But mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know how they would have juggled the cap space otherwise. So, you know, maybe the timing, you know, it could have been worse. But, uh, yeah. I, I, oh, wait, wait a second. Yeah. They might have way more cap space than I actually thought they did. Uh wait, oh, uh, Cap Brentley is still listing Baxter on LTIR and Carlson, so yeah, they don't have, they would not have room right now to activate both of them. Okay. Um, and Connor Brown's there too, the hefty three point six. So yeah, I don't know what they would have done. Yeah, strange. Um, but um, I mean, it worked out cap wise, but we'll see how big of a loss. You know, like, can Eric Gustafson shoulder the offensive load uh, <laughs> left behind by John Carlson? Um, it remains to be seen how, like, how much of a, hit, like, you know, net positive or net negative this might this trade-off might be. Yeah, uh, Washington plays uh, this early evening at 5 p.m. or late afternoon. 
against the Blue Jackets. And I'm just thinking their four lines now with those two players la- left, they, they look really deep. Uh, you want me to read them off to you? We've got Ovechkin, Kuznetsov, Connor Sherry, Sonny Milano, Nicholas Backstrom, TJ Oshie, Marcus Johansson, Dylan Strom, Tom Wilson, and a fourth line of Anthony Mantha, Lars Eller, and Garnet Hathaway. Jesus Christ. That's pretty freaking good, isn't it? And of course, uh, what? Yeah, Nick D- Nick Dowd is a healthy scratch, um, who's been like the fourth line center staple, and Connor Brown uh, on LTIR. So they've got uh, a ton of depth, and the big reason for that is because they knew Backstrom and Wilson and like Carl Haglin, uh, and there might even been another one. We're gonna miss a lot of times. So, like they brought in Connor Brown, they signed Dylan Strom. They're like, you know, we're gonna have to fill it in. So now that everyone's or almost everyone is healthy. They've got like uh, five and a half lines worth of uh, of an NHL team. That's nuts. I have no idea they were they had that much talent on their roster. Um, but hey, man, they look primed to keep it up in terms of the play that they've shown recently. Mm-hmm. Go Caps, go. <laughs> go Ovi, go. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, we can also mention former Washington Capital, uh, Jakob Verana has been, of course, with the Red Wings in, I believe, a player assistance program for a little while now. Um, But then the other day was waived and passed through waivers. Uh, He is um, making, I believe, a cap hit of about five and a half. But right now against the cap, it's just about 4.1 because he's buried. Um, I think he had been on a conditioning stint for a little while. In Grand Grand Rapids, yeah, he had played like I think four or five games before they like waived him to uh, you know send him there officially um, to I guess get his game back. I wasn't so surprised that he wasn't claimed because you know having been in that program and you know I think not looking so great uh, in his first few showings in the AHL, teams didn't want to make that kind of expensive long term commitment. Well, not that long term, but expensive commitment. Yeah, I guess that was it. Eh? With the, with the cap, how cap strapped everybody is, nobody could make it work. But fuck, there's there's like there's so much talent there um, that you know I, I understand it's difficult at this season at this stage of the season to make it work. But at only 26 years old, I was still kind of surprised he went through. You know, you know who should have claimed him? Who? Buffalo. <laughs> Do they have the cap space? They have tons of cap space. Oh man, what's what's sorry. What was his cap situation? Uh, Vrana, what is uh? I think like? I think the number is actually if he was on an NHL team, the cap it would be five point two five. And that no, but uh, what's the term on that? Yes. Oh, just a one more year after this. I think that's a risk worth taking. Um, for the I level absolutely of, agree. of scoring that he brings, um, at this age, I yeah, I think that's a mistake mm-hmm. by these teams. All right, time to start the trivia. I think, um, it's my turn to make one for you, and I totally forgot. Uh, but I'm going to come up with one on the fly. Here's what we're going to do. It's going to be about the World Juniors. Um, so, of course, uh, the Czechs uh, surprised uh, this year by winning the silver medal. Um, I'm trying to think if I want to make this World Junior silver medal themed or World Junior Czech team themed. So I'm just going to let you decide. What do you, what do you prefer? <laughs> I feel like the silver medal thing is more realistic for me to win. You know, okay. So, let's let's do that one. Um, hmm. I don't want it to be just as simple as like counting backwards, being like, "Who won the silver medal this year?" But I'll start that way and then see what else I can come up with. Okay. All right. First question: 2022 World Juniors. 
uh, which of course took place over this past summer. Which team won the silver medal? Okay. If I recall correctly, it was because the USA got knocked out pretty early. Was it the Finns? Because they disappointed this time around, you know, with that quarterfinal loss. I'm going to say Finland. Correct. It was Finland who won the silver medal. Okay. Good. Almost won that gold of that, you know, McTavish on the line. Yes. Stick that's save. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, 2021. Uh, Canada won the silver medal, losing 2 nothing to Team USA. Uh, my question is, uh, which player led Canada in scoring for the tournament? Hmm. Okay, so this is 2021. Who was on that team? Man. I have no recollection. So this would be draft class from two years ago. The fuck? I can't even name shit. I can't name anybody on this team. Um, <laughs> I can. I. I don't. This is this is the big Trevor Zegers tournament, right? Um, yes, Zegers led the whole tournament in points. I'll, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, and this guy was second in but the whole I, tournament. I, for some reason, there are no Canadians. On this team that are coming to mind, I, I pass. Go ahead. You pass. Yeah, I don't know. Who That's embarrassing he- for you. Who the hell was the on answer? This is team? Dylan Cousins. Oh shit, he was that. He was that recent on the. <laughs> yeah, the answer is Dylan Cousins. He had two years ago. Mm. That's not that recent. Uh, he had That's sixteen points in seven games, and the second leading scorer on Team Canada was Connor McMichael with eight. So Cousins was really driving the bus. Okay, all right. That doesn't hurt. Well, as you're bad. one for two. I, I, I what, do we set a threshold? How many questions are we doing? Uh, I'm doing 10 questions, and I guess we'll make it 7 for 10. I'll try okay. not to make them too hard. All right. Um, all right. Uh, 2020, Russia won the silver medal, losing okay. to Canada 4-3 to three in the gold medal game. My question for you is, uh, can you name uh, one player on Team Russia? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um... One player on Team Russia. Uh, well, so this is three years ago. Was Askarov on the team? Yes, Askarov was on the team. <laughs> Very I don't nice. think he was playing that game. Oh, I think he was. He played some of the games. Yeah, okay. well done. Some other, some other names include Captain Grigory Denisenko. Uh, Vasily Podkolzin, Alexander Romanov, oh, um, Nikita Alexandrov, who scored his first NHL goal last night for the Blues. Um, but you got one. Congratulations. Thank Two you. for three. 2019. Uh, Finland won the gold medal this year. Uh, with uh, Well, that year, I guess. Uh, they won the gold medal game 3-2. to two. Who won the silver? <laughs> oh, boy. Um... This is 2019? Yes. The fact that you're not asking me, I don't think it's Canada. And this was one of them disappointing years. You said it was Finland that won. I, I, I don't know. Who, who, Russia? 
No, it was not Russia. Okay. If you were going to pass on that, you probably had like a, you, that's essentially a multiple choice. But yeah. no, you're wrong. It wasn't Russia. It was the US. Oh, okay. Good for them. So, <laughs> so you're two for four now. Yeah. 2018. Uh, Canada won gold this year. Sweden won silver. Okay. Um, so I guess now that I've said that out loud, that won't be the question I ask you. Yes, not. Eh? Uh, all right. What can I ask you about? Team Sweden. You know, I'll do the same thing I did for 2020. Name a player on Team Sweden. <laughs> Name a player from Team Sweden. This is 2018. So the player would yeah. be what, 22. I'm trying to name a 22-year-old Swede. Uh, hmm. The, the name that comes to mind is Rasmus Dahlin. Um. He... Yes. Yeah. That is correct. Okay. But your math was still very wrong. Oh. <laughs> uh, someone who is nineteen in two thousand eighteen would be older than twenty two now. Probably. Twenty three. Twenty. Yeah, well, I guess four. It, it worked out. Uh. Yeah, right, out. but Rasmus, Rasmus Dahlin was like not even drafted yet at this point, so there he was like go. a very. Uh, some other players on this team uh, include Elias Pettersson, Leah Anderson. Eric Brandstrom, Alex Nylander, Isaac Lundestrom, Timothy Liljegren, uh, Gustav Lindstrom. This was quite a good squad. Yeah, lots of talent. Yeah. All right, so you're three for five. Decent. Uh, let's wind our way back to 2017. Um, now this, of course, famously, uh, was the World Junior in which uh, USA beat Canada in the gold medal game in the shootout, very disappointingly, that it ended in a shootout at all. Um, Canada won the silver medal, and they also had the tournament MVP on their team. Who was it? Okay, so back to the math. 2017 was six years ago, so we're talking a 25-year-old. I feel like this strategy is is not very good. I think (laughs) the best... The better because the, the better strategy would probably be trying to actually remember what happened in the tournament. Yeah, see, I don't, I don't have this kind of hockey memory, unfortunately. This is this is not within my mental scope, um, oh. wherein I don't remember much, for, especially from this far back. How old was I in twenty seventeen? Like, God, fifteen. Uh, well, yeah, you were you were fifteen. Okay, and I was almost fifteen at this tournament, so. Not a chance. Um, was this the, was this the one that you went to? Uh, well, I went to the semifinal game. I wasn't at the gold medal game. Right. Okay. Twenty five year old Canadian. Hmm. This is this is troubling. Uh, I'll give you a hint. Yeah. He turns twenty six later this month. <laughs> <laughs> so I was right on the twenty five years old. The math. <laughs> yeah. The math checks out. Okay. Let's say it's a forward. Um, who's 25? Let's say Matt Barzal. He's Canadian. He's 25-ish, if I recall correctly. There's my guess. Uh, well, Matthew Barzal was on this team. The answer is Thomas Shabbat was the tournament MVP. Uh, okay. So you're totally wrong going the forward route. Um, <laughs> yes, I was. You're three for six. <laughs> All right. 2016. Finland won gold. Who won silver? Oh boy, a little multiple choice. Fun. 
Um, okay. Who? So let's see. Maybe I'll I'll place myself in the era by thinking who was on this team for Team Canada, and then are there any related memories? Uh, <laughs> I you know I I guess Shabbat and Barzal were he there the year before too. Um, yeah, twenty six years old. Don't see much. I'm gonna guess. So you said Finland won. I'm gonna guess Russia again. Correct. Russia oh. won silver this year. Well done. <laughs> lovely, lovely. I didn't this think the, the, the Canadians. This is the yep. famous Finnish team with the incredible uh, Puyarvi line, Aho line, and then Miko right. Rantanen and Kasperi Kapanen on the second line. Um, that beat Canada in the quarters. Okay. Very right. nice. 2000, 2015, Canada won gold. Uh, Russia won the silver medal. Oh. Um, is it too mean to ask you what the score of the game was? Yeah, of course it's too mean. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I, this game was extremely memorable for me, so I wasn't sure. Anyway, um, I'll ask you, uh, name... I'll just name a player on Team Russia. I I feel like I like that question. Okay. And you've gotten the both right so far, the name of players. So. Yeah, so wait a second. This is... What year was this again? 2015. 2015, so seven years. Seven plus... Uh, 19 is 26. 26 26-year-old goalies. I think because I think the, the Russians is easy. Is this... One sec, let me think. Is this the Shesterkin year? Um, how old is Shesterkin again? Or maybe, maybe this was pre-Shesterkin. I'm gonna say Shesterkin. Was he correct? Okay, good. Let's go. Igor Shesterkin and Ilya Sorokin were both on this team. Okay, I was. That was my other guess. I'm not uh, good. The, the, as was uh Ivan Provorov, Pavel Buchnevich, Ivan Barbashev, uh Vladislav Gavrikov. Um, yeah, silver squad for Russia that year. You are five for eight right now. So if you're going to get seven, you've, you've still got to get these final two. 2014. Jesus Finland Christ. Won gold. Okay. Finland won the gold medal. Yeah. Sweden won silver. Okay. And Sweden had the tournament MVP on their team. Who was it? Sweden had the tournament MVP who is now 20. This is not a trick question. Eight years old. This is a real good player. It's a real good player, eh? 28? Who's this 28-year-old Swedes? Philip Forsberg. He seems to be in that age range. Nailed it. Oh, Nailed it. Let's well go. done. Let's go. Let's Philip go. Forsberg turned on MVP. Yes. Right. Oh, man. Last one. Last one. We are oh, in 2013. Fucking blow it. This is... Oh, God. All right. <laughs> All right. 2013 World Juniors. Ten years. Team USA won the gold. Who won the silver medal? Oh, no. You wouldn't make me guess Russia a third time, would you? I I feel like that would be really mean. Um, 2013, this is a bunch of 29-year-olds playing. Um, Said USA. To be clear, they were not 29 at the time. Okay. No, of course not. Um, hmm. Man, 
Do I get a hint? I don't remember shit from 2013. Of course you don't get a hint. Oh, man. There aren't that many teams it could be. Okay, you're right. This is this is like pre-upset era. So this is like one of like Canada, Russia, or Sweden. No, I just pick one, don't I? I just fucking pick one. I'm going to say Canada. Wrong. Ah, fuck, who is it? The answer was Sweden. Ah, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I was surprised I was surprised you didn't include Finland in your list of teams that could be. Because it could have been them. Yeah, it could have been them. Well, um, it almost worked out. <laughs> yeah, so that year, uh, that was the lockout year, so there were a bunch of NHLers on those teams. Canada had uh, Nugent Hopkins and uh, Hubert Doe and Ryan Strom, uh, and they lost in the semis to US to the USA. Um, USA won gold. John Gibson was tournament MVP. Ryan Nugent Hopkins led the tournament in scoring, 15 points, uh, eight fewer than Connor Bedard just got. Uh, and yeah, that's fun little brief recent history of silver medals at the World Juniors. There you like go. It? I'm I'm very caught up. Thank you. That was lovely. <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah, I feel like in terms of quizzes made on the fly, that one was pretty good. That was decent. Hats off to you. Thank you. Uh, and thanks to everyone else for listening this week. We got to pick a team for next time. Hmm. Let's see. What what's an interesting team? Have we done the Bruins yet? Uh let me let me check my document of teams that we've done. Uh the last time we did the Boston Bruins was in April of twenty twenty two. So not this season. Alright, I, I kinda wanna watch them. See if they continue to wreck shop with, with our eyes on. No, right. I don't think they've they've lost in regulation in a while now. Um, they still haven't done it at home all year. <laughs> what the fuck? That's nuts. That's crazy. Let me see all how right. far back their last regulation win was. Okay, December twenty-two. No, never mind. That was a win. Um, I'm still going, and it was the fucking Coyotes. <laughs> what you, oh, what yes, I remember that. Uh, uh, so Boston, Boston plays Anaheim tonight, and then doesn't play till Thursday. They play Seattle, and then Toronto on Saturday. So that's still a three-game week. Okay, that works for me. All right. Oh, and also, we didn't really mention this, uh, but as you can probably tell, we're back on the Sunday grind now for this semester. Um, all right. And actually, the, we may have to wiggle it around. Uh, you know, maybe we'll throw in a Saturday every now and then, depending on our schedules. But uh, this is this is how it is now for us. This is where we line up. Amen. All right. I think that's uh, <laughs> that's all for this week. Yes, indeed. Thanks for listening to Fusion and Hockey Podcast. Follow us on Instagram, Fusion and Hockey Podcast. And uh, have a good time. Happy New Year. The end. It's too late. <laughs>